So you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Do you know the enemy cannot steal your joy? Thanks for joining us for today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor Butler continues in the series entitled Fruit of the Spirit. This is part number three, and it is subtitled Joy Is. And now here is Pastor John Butler with today's message. Galatians chapter 5, let's read this together. When, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And here's the list of things that happens when you do that. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Father, we pray that you add your illumination, your revelation, and understanding to the reading and the preaching and the hearing of your word. May we change our lives today. May you change our lives today as we receive and understand your word. Lord, we want to be not just hearers, but doers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're, this is week three of a series on the fruit of the Spirit. In the first week, we, we learned some principles, some big picture principles that are going to apply, not just in this message, but really throughout the entire series, and I just want to remind you of those. The first one is this, the fruit of the Spirit grows from the character of God. The fruit of the Spirit grows from the character of God. It's not a behavioral checklist that this is who God is. So when, you, when, this group, when this fruit grows in our lives, we become more like God because this is who God is, love and joy and peace and all the rest of them. Here's the second thing. The fruit of the Spirit grows from our choices. We have choices to make in life every day, all day, and those choices are either going to make us more like Christ, we're either going to choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, or they're going to make us less like Christ and, and really reinforce who we already are naturally, which is the works of the flesh, the works of the Spirit. And we read that list in Galatians as well. So the, the fruit of the Spirit is a choice. It grows from our choices. Here's the last thing. The fruit of the Spirit grows as one fruit. It's one. This is the character and the nature of God. You can't go in there and separate it out. You can't pick and choose. You can't ask for love and joy and peace to the exclusion of patience and gentleness and self-control. It's all a part of who God is. When you start picking and choosing those character attributes of God, then what you're left with developing in your life is not the character and nature of God. It's, it's something less. It's something less. So well, I want to make sure we understand that as we move on. Now, last week we talked about a love that overcomes. A love that overcomes. And here's the key from that, from that message. If you didn't get anything else, I hope you get this, is that the only source for a love that overcomes is a God that not just is with you, but who lives in you. And that's the Holy Spirit. The only source for the fruit of the Spirit is who? The God through the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives, okay? So today we're going to talk about joy. 
And y'all look like y'all are ready. I mean, y'all are about overwhelming me with your joy. So maybe I've got the right message for the right group today. Could somebody use a little joy in here? I didn't say lose a little joy. I said, you, could you use a little joy today? All right? And if not for you, then for the person sitting beside you, glaring at you. All right, so we're going to talk about joy today. And specifically, we're going to talk, this is a message called Joy Is. And we're going to talk about the role that joy plays in the spirit-filled, fruit-producing believer. And we're going to talk about why it is that we need His supernatural power in our life to produce joy. Now, before we get started, let's make sure we all understand what joy is, okay? And maybe more specifically, what joy isn't. Joy is not a feeling of euphoria, okay? Joy is not a constant state of happiness. It's not what happens, not the feeling that you get because everything is going your way, because all your ducks are in a row, because everything's going, going great. That, that's, that's not what joy is, because if you are waiting on everything to go your way every day, you will never have joy in your life because the world just doesn't work that way. Right? If you, I mean, you're very blessed. If you get one day where it seems like everything's going your way, Right? And you're like, I got the joy in my life because everything's going, everything's turning up roses. It's great. But what happens? You're going to go to sleep. <laughs> and then you're going to wake up to a new day where everything is not going to come up roses. Sometimes it's going to all come up thorns. And we've got to learn how to find joy in the midst of all of that. Joy is a contentment that we can walk in knowing that everything is ultimately going to be okay. It's not lived in the here and the now. It's not lived by the moment by moment. It's not lived on based on our circumstance, but it's based on the goodness and the sovereignty of God to bring about the best and even the most difficult of circumstances. So in short, it's living with an eternal perspective about our temporary situations. It's living with an eternal perspective about our temporary situations. So the Bible has a lot to say about joy. Entire chapters, entire books are even written on joy. So we're going to dive into a very important topic that we clearly need today in our lives. And we're going to find out three roles that joy plays in, that, in the spirit-filled, fruit-producing believer. But remember, we're, we're looking at, we're answering two questions today. Why do I need joy? Why do I need joy? And what does the Holy Spirit have to do with it? Okay, those are the two questions. Here's the first thing that we're going to find out. The role, the first role that joy plays in our lives is that joy is your strength. Joy is your strength. And that comes from Nehemiah chapter 8. And if you've been in church for very long, then you know the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you grew up in church, you sang, you sang little kids' church songs about it. And you clapped your hands and everything was cool. But I want you to find out the biblical foundation for this. So Ezra, which was the priest of God, Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, that's the book of the law, when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra prayed the praise of the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now verse 8 tells us what the Levites did. The Levites read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helped the people understand each passage, 
And then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn and weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord, for the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Can you imagine sitting in a church service as the pastor begins to read the Word of God and people weeping for their, out of their hunger for the Word of God? That's what was happening here. Nehemiah continued, Go celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then the Levites, too, quieted the people and said, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. Now look at this. I want you to make sure you understand this. So the people went away to eat and drink at the festive meal, to share gifts of food, to celebrate with great joy. Why? Where did their joy come from? Because they had heard God's words and understood them. The Word of God teaches us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. But listen, it's not a natural joy. It's a joy that comes from the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord, which, which is, it comes from the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to show it to you. I want to remind you, what was the source of their joy? Their joy came from hearing and understanding the Word of God. So the priests read it, the Levites explained it, they said, Amen, acknowledging it and receiving it in their lives. The Bible says it became joy. It became strength for them. Now, how do we get that kind of joy? He said, John, I need that kind of joy in my life. How, how do you get that? Well, I want to show it to you now in, in John chapter 14. This is what Jesus said. Now, now, watch all of this. Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. That's the commands of the Lord, right? Isn't that, what he, isn't that the commands of the Lord? Isn't Jesus the Lord? Can we agree on the fact that Jesus is Lord? Woo, okay. All who love me will do what I say. That's the command of the Lord. My Father will love them. We'll come and make our home uh, together. Anyone who doesn't, I hope I didn't miss anything. Y'all read that 23rd verse. Uh, come and make our home with each of them. Now look at verse 24. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. So Jesus was the God who was with them. Emmanuel, God with us. Look at verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, you're like, what in the world's an advocate? And who is that? Why is it capitalized? That is the Holy Spirit. So when the Father sends the Holy Spirit, He, the Spirit, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So, you remember what it said in Nehemiah, where their joy came from? They heard the word, they understood the word, they acknowledged and received the word. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. How do you come to Jesus? How is it that you got saved? Holy Spirit called you. Right? You can't, call, you can't come to Jesus unless you're called and invited by the Holy Spirit. So he, he convicts you of your sin. He reveals your spiritual condition. He calls you. And then what does He do? He leads you and guides you to all truth and reminds you what Jesus said in the Word of God. He, that's what He does. The joy of the Lord is our strength because it happens through the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength because it is the Word of God which is what the Spirit does for us. It's the bread of life. 
Where does joy come from? Where does strength come from? From the bread of life. When you eat the bread, that means you hear the word. When you eat the bread, you get strength from what you eat. Isn't that what is supposed to happen for us? Now, if you eat junk, you don't get strength, do you? You feel worse after you eat it. When you eat the bread of life, when you, when you eat the good stuff, you get strength from it. The joy of the Lord is a fruit of the Spirit that comes as a result of us hearing and understanding and putting into practice the Word of God. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. A lot of people are afraid of the Holy Spirit because of the way other people talk and act about Him. They think, they think He's like the rogue member of the Trinity or something. You know, like He just does His own thing. That is, that's not how that works. The Word and the Spirit always work hand in hand. Always. Always. You say, well, you know, I, I, but people get weird about, look, if people are weird when they get like the Holy Spirit, they were weird before the Holy Spirit. They were weird without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. It makes, he makes you more like Jesus. That was a good place for you to say amen. So why do we need supernatural joy from the Holy Spirit? This is it. In John 16, 22, I want you to pay attention to this because I've said it, you've said it, but I want you to see Jesus is going to correct us about it. Jesus said, so you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. No one can rob you of that joy. Do you know the enemy cannot steal your joy? The enemy cannot. Have you ever said that? Well, the enemy's just stealing my joy. No, he's not. The enemy cannot steal your joy because Jesus said he couldn't. You say, but, but the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. You know, why can't he steal my joy? Well, let me ask you this. Why doesn't he just kill all the believers as soon as they believe? I mean, wouldn't that make his life simpler? As soon as you get saved, that the enemy just come kill you? Why doesn't that happen? Because God won't let him. The enemy's power is limited. It's limited. He, listen, we're, we're not fighting two cosmic powers in the universe. It is not the infinite power of God versus the infinite power of Satan. That is not how this thing works. That, that's Buddhism. That, that, is, that is Eastern mysticism. That is not Christianity. That's not the Word of God. There is only one God. There is only one source of power. The enemy's power is limited by what God tells him he can do and what he can't do. And the enemy, whether he likes it or not, is accomplishing the purposes of God on this earth. And when his purposes are accomplished, the enemy's going to get what's coming to him. So understand, the power of the enemy is limited. He cannot steal your joy because Jesus said he couldn't. Oh, that's why what he can't kill, he tries to steal. And what he can't steal, he tries to destroy. So the enemy can't steal your joy because God said he couldn't. But listen, you can give it to him. You can give him your joy if you want to. When you choose not to walk in joy, and the joy that only comes from the Holy Spirit, you're making the job of the, easier, of, of the enemy so much easier. I mean, you're basically, he don't even have to steal it. You're just walking up to him and handing it to him. You ever seen a person who's got no joy? Even a believer who's got no joy? I mean, don't they look like they're about to die? I mean, don't they look like that putting one foot in front of the other is a chore? That they're just, they may not make it to their chair? That there is just, everything's difficult. The reality is, that's exactly what it is. Everything is difficult. Why? Because if we give away our joy, we've got no other source of strength. 
The joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. So don't give the enemy your joy. The enemy knows from the Word and the Spirit that, that it's your, it's your, he's your strength, that that's your strength. The Word of the Spirit is your strength. So if he can't steal it from you, because God said he couldn't, and if you won't give it to him, then he's going to try to kill it and destroy it. That's what he's going to try to do. How does he do that? He buries it. He buries your joy. He buries it under layer upon layer upon layer of confusion and stress and busyness, and emotion, and conflict, and activity, and self-imposed regulations, and unrealistic expectations, and a thousand other things that he's going to pile on you until your joy is so far down, you'll never, it'll never see the light of day. That's why we need to read the Word of God to keep ourselves grounded and rooted and let the light of Jesus shine in our lives every day. That's why we need to worship Him sincerely, and passionately. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why we have to fully surrender ourselves to Him. Jesus wants us to be strong, right? The, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. But we can't do that when our strength is buried. Jesus wants us to have a, a full and abundant life. We can't do that without joy. The enemy's doing a pretty stinking good job of lying and cheating us out of our joy. we got to stop letting him. We have to stop letting him. We have to stop today letting him steal our joy. You have the power. The enemy cannot do anything in your life without you giving permission. I'm not sure y'all believe that. The enemy cannot operate in your life without your permission and without you leaving the gate open. So you, if, he's, if he's burying your joy, you're the only person that can stop it. When you surrender yourself to the Lord, then he can begin to help unpile all that stuff out from on top of you. But the enemy's just going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And if you keep laying there, he's going to keep doing it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Here's the second role that joy plays in your life. The joy of the Lord is your clothes. It's your clothes. You say, John, you've lost your mind. The joy of the Lord is your clothes. I will show it to you in a couple of places. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, endures forever. He's talking about Jesus. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Jesus was given the oil of joy more than anyone else. Where does the oil of joy come from? What does oil represent in the Word of God? The Holy Spirit. What was the source of the oil of joy? The Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and He walked with more joy than anyone else ever walked with. And I want to show you this parallel passage in, verse four, in, in Psalm 45, because that scripture in Hebrews was quoting Psalm 45, but there's an extra verse that I want you to see that brings some context to it. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. This is from Psalm uh, 45. You rule with a scepter of justice, 
You love justice and hate evil, therefore God, your God, has appointed, anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. But look at this. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. Those three things, those spices, perfume your, role, your robe. Now when it says they perfume his robes, what it, what it truly means, literally means, is that, that the oil of joy becomes his garment. He wears it like a robe. The, the joy of the Lord was upon Jesus like a robe. Now, we don't think of Jesus that way, do we? When we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus and His, and His incredible, miraculous power. And we think of Jesus walking in, in that fiery cleansing of the temple, flipping tables and running people out with whips. We think of Jesus uh, and His contentious interactions with the Pharisees. That, that's what most of us think of when we think of Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus had more joy than anyone who ever lived. Think about that for a second. Why do you think the kids came running to Jesus every time they saw Him? Because He's full of joy. Why do you think the sinners were attracted to Jesus? Because He was full of joy. Listen, it's only religious people who are attracted to grumpiness. That's why they hated Jesus. Religious people are grumpy. Jesus wasn't grumpy. He had more joy than anybody else. It drove religious people crazy. It's that joy that He wore like a robe that attracted everybody. And listen, we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus operated in. Do you believe that? Do you understand? Do you recognize that in your life? The same power, they sang about it this morning, the same power that rolled the stone away, the same power is alive in us today. That's what that first song said. And it's true. Resurrection power lives in us. The same Holy Spirit who gave Jesus the oil of joy wants to pour the oil of joy into our hearts and into our lives as well. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit that He produces when we surrender to Him. Joy becomes our clothes. It covers everything else about us until all that other people can sense is the joy of the Lord. You say, John, are you sure the Holy Spirit produces joy? Acts 13, verse, and verse 52, it says, And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. It happens together. When you get full of the Holy Spirit, you get full of joy. The more you allow the Holy Spirit to operate in your life, the more joy will be present because it's His nature and character. It's who God is. So why do, you say, why do I even need the Holy Spirit to do this? Can I just be happy? <laughs> Can I not just decide to be happy and everything be alright? Well, if you don't allow the Spirit to clothe you, then you're left with whatever comes naturally. And there are very few people who are naturally joyful. Let's do a quick survey. How many people live in your house that just wake up full of joy? Think about that. I don't have to think anymore. There are no people in my house who wake up full of joy. None. I'm suspecting by your snickers and giggles and, and punching each other, there ain't nobody in your house full of joy either. Some of y'all ain't even nice, much less full of joy. If you are left to your own devices, nobody oozes joy naturally. 
You say, well, now there's a few people, maybe there's a few, that one or two people in your life ever who are just sort of naturally joyful. And those are the exceptions, the strong exceptions. But even then, it pales, the natural joy of a person pales in comparison to being clothed with the oil of joy that the Holy Spirit brings. Now let me, let me point this out to you a little more clearly so you understand this. There are basically four kinds of personalities. Four kinds of temperaments or personalities. There's the choleric or the D-type personality if you take the DISC test. They're the, they're the drivers. They're the get-it-done kind of people. They're the people that's going to accomplish the task. They don't care how many people they have to kill or run over. They're going to get it done. Bodies laying everywhere, but they're going to get it done. Y'all know some people like that. All right? Those people do not ooze joy. They, they ooze, get it done, they do not ooze joy, okay? Now, th- then there are people that are the eye type, the sanguines, the people, they are people people. They are, the, they are, a, wa- they are a person wa- looking for a party. Is what they, they walk around looking for a party all the time. They love to be the center of attention. They love to be in the midst of people. They, they love all that stuff. You say, well, isn't that a naturally joyful person? No, because you ain't never seen them after the party's over. When you see that person after the party's over, the highs that they were on around all the people, really quickly they go down the other side of the roller coaster and they get really, get really bummed out. They're on this emotional roller coaster. They don't ooze joy. It's temporary. It's circumstantial. Then you have the phlegmatics or the S's, the steady people, the even-keeled people. Don't usually get too upset about anything that goes wrong, but nor do they get real excited about anything that goes well. They're usually pleasant to be around. People usually like them because they're predictable. You know what you're going to get, but not really known for joy. And then you've got the C's or the melancholies. They're the detail-oriented perfectionists of the world. Never known for joy because they are living in a world that is full of imperfections. And they get consumed by the imperfections around them and they can't let go of it to, to experience any joy. We are not, no matter what your personality type is, you are never going to live a life of joy on your own. It's just not in you. We're just not built that way. Our human nature is too flawed. We're going to have to have a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to produce joy that lasts long enough to give us strength or to clothe us. What would happen? I love the question Ryan started with this morning. What would happen if we all got in one mind and one accord? What would happen if we were all so full of the Holy Spirit that people started to recognize the joy that was in our lives? How much more effective would we be in, with our witness for Christ if, if joy, if we wore joy like a, like a robe? We have choices to make. We have decisions to make every day. Are we going to walk in joy? Are we going to choose the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Or are we going to let nature take its course? We can change the atmosphere in a room. You ever been in one of those rooms where it's just kind of funky up in there? And then somebody walks in with some joy? And you're like, oh, a ray of sunshine finally. We can, ch- we can do that, but you have to choose to do it. You can, you can walk in and you can be a thermometer or you can walk in and be a thermostat. It's your decision. You can walk in and just be like everybody else is and just take on the temperature of the room or you can walk in and you can decide you want to set the temperature according to the Word and the Spirit of God. 
We have to choose that. We can, we can change those atmospheres. We have to, but we have to refuse the negativity. We have to refuse complaining. We have to refuse to backbite and to fault find. We have to refuse to wallow in self-pity and in shallowness. We've got to refuse to give in to our own natural temperaments and personalities and choose to have joy. The enemy is going to try to, to, to give you the spirit of heaviness, but the Spirit of God will give you the garment of praise. The Spirit, I mean, the, the, the enemy is going to try to clothe you in ashes, but the Spirit of God will give you beauty in exchange for those ashes. He'll try to clothe you with the cloak of death, but the Spirit of God will give you the oil of joy that you can wear like a robe. Surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit today and be clothed with joy. Clothed with joy and find that the joy of the Lord is your strength as well. Here's the last thing, which may produce joy in you that I found the last point. I'm not sure. Joy is your strength. Joy is is, uh, something, whatever I just said, is your clothes. Joy is your game changer. Joy is your game changer. Like John, game changer is not in the Bible. So don't go to your Strong's Concordance and try to find it. Let me show it to you, though, in Luke chapter 10. This is where it begins. Luke chapter 10, verse 21. This is Jesus. At the same time, Jesus, look at this, Jesus was filled with joy, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. What's the source of joy? Holy Spirit. And this is what he said. He got filled with joy from the Holy Spirit. And he said this, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you. Thank you for hiding these things. He just hid those things. For hiding these things. Thank you, Lord, for hiding it from us. From those things who think that, from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. You said, John, how does this scripture show that joy is a game changer? The joy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus got full of the joy of the Holy Spirit, and it made him thankful. He got full of joy, and he said, Father, thank you. And listen, I've lived long enough to know that thankfulness is a game changer. Thankfulness changes everything. An attitude of gratitude is a game changer, and it comes from the joy of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to show it to you again in Psalm 30. Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12, it says this, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. You see that? That's another place. He clothes us with joy. That I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks forever. I will give you thanks forever forever. There's like my whole message wrapped up in those two verses. You see the thankfulness there? You, you, see, you see the clothing you with joy there? I know it flashes back to the previous point, but He clothes us with joy for a purpose. Notice what it said at the beginning of verse 12. He said, so that I have clothed you with joy so that you might sing His praises and not be silent. You might sing His praises and not be silent. So why are we talking about this now? How is this a game changer? I want to show this to you in action so you can recognize what's going on because this is how it happens in our lives as well. In Acts chapter 16, here's our last verse, or our last passage, Acts Acts chapter 16, 
verses 20 through 25. Really familiar passage of Scripture. I'm not sure we've always noticed the joy factor. So a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. That's not the source of joy, by the way. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Now let me ask you, this is a really simple question, don't make this hard. Were Paul and Silas filled with the Holy Spirit? If Paul and Silas weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, none of us have any chance, okay? These guys clearly, no question, lived a Spirit-filled life. So here they are in the inner dungeon. They are cold, they're wet, they're exposed, they're bleeding, they're bruised, they probably have broken ribs because that's the point of beating somebody with a stick. They're waiting to die. And in that moment when they had nothing left on the inside of them, when, when their fate was sealed, when all indications were that they were at the end of the road, something supernatural starts to happen. Something supernatural happens. The Holy Spirit who had filled their mouths with the Word of God to preach to, to the people of this city. The Holy Spirit, who had caused Paul to discern the, the spirit of the demon-possessed girl who was following them around and driving them crazy. The Holy Spirit, who gave them the boldness and the authority to cast that devil out of that little girl. That same Holy Spirit now did something even more powerful and miraculous in them. He caused, the Holy Spirit caused joy to rise up in Paul and Silas. In the midst of the inner dungeon, the oil of joy was poured out in their lives. Or more specifically, more correctly, the, the, the oil of joy began to rise from the Holy Spirit who was already in them. The oil of joy produced thankfulness in them. Now, I don't have a thus saith the Lord. There's no transcript of what happened in here, and apparently the security cameras were turned off that day. But this is what I think may have happened in that inner dungeon. Scripture started coming back to their minds because they're full of the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit do? Lead you and guide you to all truth and remind you of the things that Jesus said. So they're sitting there in the dungeon, and they ain't got nothing else to do. So they're sitting there, and, and now this starts, the Scripture starts to come back to their minds, and, and it, it starts coming out their mouths. And, and I think Silas looked over and said, Hey, Paul, you remember James said, Oh, Brother James said, Count it all joy when you have troubles of different kinds. Say, Paul, I don't know about you, but I'd say we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble. And James said to count it all joy. And Paul said, Silas, man, you're right. He did say that. And not only did James say that, you remember when Jesus said, be joyful when people persecute us for His sake? He, he said we would inherit the kingdom of God. That's exactly what they're doing to us. They're persecuting us. And, and Silas said, man, Paul, you're exactly, that's exactly what's happened to us. And, and Jesus also said when people mock us and when they say all kinds of evil things about, about us, that we should be filled with joy because great is our reward in heaven. 
And then Paul said, Silas, man, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful for this great privilege of suffering for Jesus and for His Word. We should say thank you to Jesus right now. And so they start praying. They're filled with the Spirit who produces this supernatural joy in their lives. And where did it come from? From the truth of the Word. The Word of God produced it. And this joy started to cover them like a robe. The robe that had been stripped off of them just a few minutes ago before they were beaten. Now God's covering them and robing them with His joy. And it causes them to be thankful. And it causes them to do what Psalm 30 says. That they sang praises and they chose not to be silent. And so they opened up their mouths and they prayed to the Father and they sang praises to Him right there in the center of the jail. Their circumstances had not changed. Their sentence had not changed. Their backs were still torn open. They were still in pain. They were still in chains physically, but spiritually, something was happening. Their joy was about to become a game changer. Now, verse 26 tells this story. The next verse. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. Just happened to be when they started singing praises and praying to the Lord. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Now look, that's a game-changing moment if I've ever seen one. In the moment when things look the darkest, God intervened on their behalf and changed their circumstances in a miraculous way. Listen, I know some of you are going through difficulties right now. I know that it seems like there's not much reason to be thankful. There's not much reason to be grateful. There's not much reason to sing praise. There's not much reason to worship God. There's not much reason to say amen to the Word of God. But you need to make the choice to walk in supernatural joy. If you want a game-changing moment in your life, you're going to need a miraculous impartation of joy, and that only comes from surrendering to the Holy Spirit. You say, well, John, can't I just start praising God? Can't I just, you know, just start speaking praise? Sure you can, but you're not going to have the strength to praise Him without joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're not going to have the power to praise Him because the stench of your circumstance is going to overcome you and your will to praise. You're going to need the oil of joy to cover the stench of your experience and your humanity. You're going to need the robe of righteousness and gladness. You're not going to have the basis to praise God in spirit and in truth, because you're going to be looking at your circumstance and how bad it feels and how much it hurts. You need the game-changing joy of the Holy Spirit to change your focus and to make you thankful and to put a praise in your mouth. You see, it's not just their praise that caused the prison to open. It's joy that gave them the strength to praise God and pray to Him in the first place. And it's the joy of the Lord in the darkest moments of your life that will give you the power to praise your way into the light. The joy of the Lord is a game changer, but it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It only comes when we surrender ourselves completely to the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand with me.
Now listen, today, today is the day that some of you are going to stop running. And some of you are going to stop arguing. Some of you are going to stop trying to figure everything out and just dive into the river. I'm speaking that in faith. And I know that not just because the Spirit quickened that in my spirit, but because you need joy in your life. You need it. Listen, I'm not telling you I'm operating in the prophetic here. I just know I, I can understand the math. I can just do the math. You put this many people in a room, there's a significant number of you that's going through a difficult time. A significant number of you that the circumstances surrounding your life are not positive, they're not encouraging, and they're not naturally filling you with joy. You need joy in your life. Some of you are miserable most of the time. You paint on a great face when, when it's time to come to church, but some of you are miserable most of the time. Some of you can't get out of your head. You can't quit focusing. You can't get your eyes off your circumstances. Some of you lay, lay in the bed at night awake because you can't get your brain to stop telling you everything that's wrong in your life. You need the supernatural power of God in your life to produce the character and the nature of God. And if, that, if you want it, today's the day. Today's the day. I want you to come and surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. Just come. You don't, I'm gonna, we're going to pray corporately, but I'm telling you, this altar is open. I want you to come and don't, don't kneel. I want you to come and stand and lift your hands and surrender today. Lift your hands and surrender. And you just start confessing to the Lord. Lord, I need you. I, I need your spirit to overwhelm me. I need your spirit to change me. I need you to pour in the oil of joy in my life because I'm tired of being miserable. I'm tired of being lukewarm. I'm tired of not caring one way or the other. I'm, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I need the fruit of your Holy Spirit to grow in my life. And that only comes when you surrender. So this, this altar is open. I want you to come now. We're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the courage and the strength. We pray that you've been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast with Pastor John Butler. We'd love to connect with you. So join us on our website, covenantlifewestga.org. That's covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive more inspirational messages. Then share it with a friend. On behalf of Pastor John Butler and the Covenant Living Broadcast, make it a great week. We'll see you next time.